Blog Talk Radio.
2012 Women's Football Alliance National Champion, San Diego Surge. Celebration is on in San Diego. The Surge with the National Championship of Women's Professional Football. And that was the uh, San Diego Surge winning the 2012 WFA National Championship at Heinz Field, a historic moment for uh, women's football, historic moment for the WFA in general as they uh, put themselves on the map. Uh, Franco Harris talking about the significance there. And so uh, the San Diego Surge returned to the 2017 Women's uh, Football Alliance campaign. And today we are going to have uh, on the Gridiron Blitz right here on Block Talk Radio with uh, Troy Wilson alongside myself, Oscar Lopez. We're going to have uh, Christina uh, Carrillo, uh, the owner of the uh, resurgent uh, San Diego Search, who will return in 2017. So, Troy, uh, how's it going this week, buddy? Pretty good. Didn't have a bad week at all. You know, enjoyed some uh a little bit of relaxation, uh, watch some football games, um, you know, watch my Redskins pull out a victory against the most hated team that I've ever come across. I can't stand the Philadelphia Eagles, so I'm ecstatic. And also, you know, I was happy that my good buddy finally got his wish. Um, you know, there's a certain coach out in L.A. who kind of lost his job and Typically, you don't celebrate things like that, but when it comes to sports, these are things that, you know, they may be party-worthy, man. So, I'm a, I'm a little bit happy for my guy, man. I got my alert in the morning, Troy, and I can tell you it was like music to my ears. I got my alert at breakfast in the morning, and I'm like, this, is, this, is this fake news? Oh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but, yeah, it was kind of like, is, is this for real or what? Um so yeah, when I I got it from actually got my alert from uh, uh, Fox 11's uh, Liz Habib, who was covering the Prince conference on her Facebook Live, um, as uh, Kevin Denoff uh, basically announced that Fisher was fired. Um, so I'll just let everybody know uh, the uh, hashtag Fire Fisher um, profile banner is down now. So uh, we've accomplished our goal. So. Uh, Hopefully, Mr. Fossil there, who's who's the interim coach, uh, will beat Seattle, as uh, as anything would happen. But uh, let's hope Thursday is going to be a good day, a good beginning, and then going forward, uh, Jim Harbaugh is the rumor. Uh, I don't know how true all that will be, but if it is Jim Harbaugh, God bless America. Yeah, um, I don't see Jim Harbaugh leaving his alma mater, especially after two years. I mean, he hasn't won a national title yet. I, I really don't think that that's going to happen. I mean, they're probably going to have to literally back up the Brinks truck to get that guy, pry him away from Michigan. Uh, I know he does feel like he wants to coach again in the NFL, but I just think he's found the perfect situation in Michigan. Um, some of the things that I've been hearing to some of these younger coaches, man, like Kyle Shanahan. 
I mean, that that'd be pretty interesting, man. I mean, because he's every place he's gone, you know, he's got the, his offensive team. Uh, you know, they're doing some extraordinary things. He did that with the Redskins um, in, in in the four years that he was here. I mean, the pinnacle was the RG three year, and then you see what he's doing right now with Matt Ryan down there in in Atlanta. He's got that offense going, so. Uh, that'd be a great hire, and he, he definitely wants to run the ball. So I think Gurley would be happy to get a guy like Kyle Shanahan in there. No, no doubt, no doubt. I mean, and that would be a good fit, as you're pointing out right now, because offensively they've struggled. I mean, they're averaging like 13 points a game. You're not going to win games in the NFL offensively scoring only 13 points a game on average. No. No matter how good no, your defense is. You know, yeah, no, no. I mean, it, just tell that to the Browns. <laughs> who got the opposite opposite yeah. effect? They can put some points up, but their defense can't hold anybody. So it's kind of the opposite in there. Exactly. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. I was I was ecstatic. I was nice. It was it was great. Uh, I was jumping up for joy. I was, you know, I even like I said when I posted on my Facebook, you know, finally, you know, finally this happens. It's just about time. This, I mean, offensively, Troy. I mean, if you took over the team tomorrow, there's so many weapons on this team. I mean, you got Gurley, you got the – even the offensive line isn't as bad if it's coached properly. And Goff, with, under the right system, as you're pointing out, would be, would be good, just like anything else. I mean, look at – look what, what Norv Turner did with Kellen Kaepernick that one season as well, you know, the, uh, and, and uh, the various other quarterbacks that have been under his uh, tutelage. So there's, there's potential for a coach to come in and really make an impact with the star talent that we have. But uh, – uh, the one thing I don't want to do is finish in the cellar now. I figured, you know, if they can if they can muster three wins, that would be a positive to to end the season at this point. Uh, you don't have to worry about finishing in the cellar because um, there is this team called the San Francisco 49ers who are light years worse than the Rams. Believe it or not, they are awful. I mean, and, and honestly, and going back to the Rams, um, I just think it was less about wins and losses and more about you know, some of the things that were happening off the field. I mean, you know, with, you know, the weird, weird incident with Eric Dickerson and, you know, just, you know, his, his, his demeanor when it came to, um, you know, uh, what his dealings with the GM and, you know, with them off. And, and it was just, you know, a lot was going on with that team. And, you know, and you want to call it shady to hear. Yeah. Yeah, very shady, very shady. And actually, I was I was very shocked to hear that some of the players were really pissed off that he was fired. I, I'm kind of just – I mean, of course, they know better than I do. They're in that locker room, and they get to see this thing firsthand. But I, I was I was shocked. I thought, the, you know, this was a I think the reality the is – I think the players were probably just angry at the fact that they did it now when they should have just – probably waited three games and canned him at the end of the season. You know what I mean? It, it was, yeah. I think that was probably the player's frustration is you've let it ride this long. That was my, you know, that was my two cents a while back. Remember when I said, you know, if he loses on Thursday, which was, again, what I, we, uh, we had mentioned it was going to be tough, right? You know, Brady and then Ryan and, you know, there was just, just, it was going to be a tough road for them to even muster a win there. And so, you know, Matt Ryan's, you know, putting up 42 points and them just barely mustering what their average was, uh, pretty embarrassing at home loss. 
And then uh, everybody, you know, in L.A., everybody leaves in the third quarter if you're not relevant, even even before the half. So if you're you know, if you're not even you know competitive, the fans themselves just start to go, you know, gravitate to other entertainment. It's pretty you know pretty common for that to happen. It happens pretty much everywhere. It happens at Laker games, at Dodger games, and you, you know just there's a lot of distraction there. So you know you got to be really good to keep the to keep somebody in the seats. And so the reality is they got the message basically. There was nobody in the in the seats after like halftime, as some of my friends were told me. And they basically an empty stadium, and that's not a good business. Well, you also have to add in, you know, all the other things that go along with this. I mean, that's fine. They're not filling up the Coliseum, but when you open up that three to four billion dollar monstrosity that you plan on opening next year, you can't afford to have, you know, empty seats. And then you also have the other caveat where now it seems like San Diego. It's a possibility that they are coming to L.A., so they'll be playing in that stadium also. And the last thing Stan Kroenke needs is for that L.A. area to start getting behind the, the, the you know, L.A. Chargers, if they'll be called that next year, um, and, and not go to his teams, you know, his, his, the games for the Rams. Those are all, all, all the other things that go along with that as well. So I felt like, I mean, they had to make the move now, especially from a business perspective, and I think – with them having at least, you know, you still have the three games left. I don't think, you know, um, John Fossil is going to end up being the head coach. So you have, you know, this extra time to see, you know, look around the league and you can actually watch a live game action of these coordinators or possible head coaches that you can that you can possibly bring in and you can watch them firsthand to see how they handle things. And I think – Honestly, I think it's a, it's an underrated, but it's a, it's a very good move in my in my opinion. Yeah, you know, it, it had to be done. It's just really what it is, and and the fan base, and then with like you said, with the interact the interaction with Eric Dickerson in the mix. I mean, Eric was really just pointing out what everybody else was pointing out, which is basically that um, it was a situation where uh, the you know the change needs to be made. It's not going to work for Los Angeles this way just not going to work so he was on point and he was probably the first vocal one and I mean he, he, he's right so um, since we're talking Southern California football and we're talking everything going on in Southern California between the Chargers and the Rams and obviously you know uh, what's going on there with the stadium coming up in 2019 uh, it was only uh, fitting for us to try to bring in um, the return of the San Diego surge as you guys heard at the beginning of the uh top of the show here uh, the 2012 champions uh, at Heinz Field it was the first time the WFA had showcased uh, a WFA championship in an NFL stadium so they were the recipients against the Chicago Force 40 to 36 so uh, let's bring in the owner uh, of the San Diego search the return of the San Diego search and that's uh, Christina Carrillo and uh, Christina are you on I'm here. Good evening. How you doing, Christina? Um, hoping you have a good evening in Southern Cal. We are. Thank you. We just finished a uh, team workout, so grab the phone and, and uh, ready to talk football for sure. Awesome. So, Christina, give us your perspective. Are you a Charger fan or a Ram fan? I'm a lifelong neither. Charger fan. No, no, I'm a lifelong Charger fan. It's been a it's been a couple of rough years for us out here, but uh, I'm a true fan, through the good, through the bad. 
What do you think yeah, of the situation was, uh, going on in Los Angeles? Well, I think it's tough. It's, you know, um, I think there was a lot of expectations, obviously, and um, I think they fell quite short of those expectations. But, you know, I think uh, uh, in the new stadium, new new surroundings, I, they'll, they'll get it together. It's, you know, um, it's, it's a great city. Uh, the weather, you can't complain about the weather out here in Southern California. I mean, we're in shorts year-round. So I think, you know, they'll, they'll turn around. They've got some time, but um, it, it was a rough season for them, for sure. Well, Christina, you're on with myself, um, and you're on with uh, Troy Wilson. So um, the return of the surge, uh, besides everybody flocking to the WFA this year, uh, you guys are probably the biggest story so far in the offseason, the return of it. You guys took a year off. We had talked about it a while back that, you know, needed to regroup and do all the stuff and finances and everything else that comes to play with the, obviously, running a women's team. So, um 2017, your return is this stronger squad, better, uh, better uh, recruiting, better roster. What are we looking at in terms of a, of a, of a new surge in 2017? A little bit of everything. You know, we, we, like you said, we, we did need a, a year to really regroup. You know, this team is a veteran team. Uh, we suffered, you know, we took some, some hard losses on the tin right after we won the 2012 uh, national championship. So we needed to regroup. Uh, there's some veteran players that have quite a few quite a few seasons on their bodies. So I think that it was much needed uh, to rest the bodies, to rest the minds, to to regroup and really go after some some solid recruiting. Um, I think that uh, we we obviously always set expectations for ourselves. We set the bar extremely high out here in San Diego, and um, this this season we're going to make a run. I, I truly believe that uh, that we're well rested. That the veterans who needed that time off. Uh, really got the, the time off they needed, and we're going to come back stronger. I, I truly believe that. There's a job opening in Los Angeles for the Rams. Uh, I love your enthusiasm, so maybe you can replace Fisher. <laughs> yeah, we're going to we're gonna try to hold on to our coaches. As you know, uh, we've got a solid, solid coaching staff out here in San Diego. Uh, Mike Suggett uh, is, is going to be taking the head coach position again. And you know he he brings a tremendous value to this to this team. Uh, he's been with us since wow, dating back to the San Diego Sunfire days. So we're talking uh, probably a long time ago, 2001. So he's been around women's football. He knows what it takes to get us ready. Um, he has a formula. He has a formula and a timeline that works for this group. And you know everyone asks, how come you start so late? I mean, we haven't even had our first tryout. Uh, our first tryout is January 15th uh, here in San Diego. So. A lot of people ask that question, why do you start so late? He has a proven formula and a proven timeline uh, that works with this veteran group. And, uh, you know, it, it, it all equates to, to putting just the right amount of time on our bodies before we get ready for game one. Christina, um, I'm going to tell you right now, there's a lady called Jenkins in Dallas who's ready probably for you in the West. <laughs> and there's Wiggins in Fresno. So uh, right. it's going to be a very exciting season. I, I agree. I think uh, there's there's uh, some great football that that has been played between those names and and ourselves. And um, you know, Melissa Gallegos is is ready to go. And and if anyone out there follows the surge, she's a big part of of our success. So we're excited. We're excited. We're ready. She's what she's rested. Her arm is is well rested. Let's just put it that way. So we're we're excited. We're excited to hit the the field again. And um, it's going to be a great season. Hey Christina, this is now Troy. the 
How's it going? Go ahead, Troy. Oh, good, good. Thank you. Good deal. Um, so I'm looking over, I'm checking you guys out. And since 2011 through 2015, you guys compiled a 52 and six overall record. And 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 you know, uh, during league play, you had three national title championship appearances. You guys won the national title in 2012. What has gone into establishing that winning culture in such a short period of time? Because and you don't see that too often in sports. I mean, a lot of times when you see a new team come around, you you, you know, it takes a while to get their footing together. What what made this come together so quickly for the surge? That's a good question, and I'm going to say it's coaching, without a doubt. Um, you know, I keep referencing Mike Suggett and his staff and just the great coaching we've had over these years. And a coaching staff that understands the women's game, that's very, very important. And that formula for success is knowing how much time to put on these bodies before we get ready for game one. Again, like I said, we haven't even had a tryout yet. Most teams have probably already started practice, um, probably well into their second, third month of, of actually practicing um, not our formula, not our formula. And, and I think that um, keeping ourselves healthy has been key to that success and the quarterback position. I mean, Melissa Gallegos is a veteran um, with, with her leading this team. It's been a real difference. It's been, a, it's made a, a tremendous difference to have that kind of leadership and that kind of level of a quarterback play on the field. And, um, you know, like I said, she's 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 well rested as well as the other veterans on this team. So we're going to make a run this year. Um, we're very excited for that. So you, coming back to the WFA and watching how some of the competition has gone, especially on the western side. We already, you know, alluded to Dallas. Um, you got Seattle out there. You have Portland. Um, when you see those teams and then you compare them to your own team especially with the winning that you guys have, just being a competitor from a competitive standpoint, it had to make you itch a little bit last season, taking the last year off. What went into the mindset of you guys last year while you were watching this stuff go on with all the other teams playing? Oh, it was tough. It was tough. Um, I think the toughest part as the owner was um, getting the phone calls from the players, you know, wanting to know, please, are, are we going to go again next season? Please give me some assurance that, that we're going to come back next season. And that, that was the toughest part for me. Um, I always knew, you know, that we were going to come back. I just, again, I think we really needed that season off. We took some hard losses and um, we needed to regroup mentally, physically. Um, but it was tough last season. Uh, some of the girls on the team did play for other teams, so they, they still get, did get a season under their belt. But um, I'm not going to lie, as a competitor and, and uh, as a player and as an owner, it's, it's, it was tough to watch because as a, as, as a true competitor, you want to be on the field. You want to compete at all times. So, um, but I think it gave us motivation. It gave us motivation to continue to work in the gym, uh, to continue to, to get ourselves together um, physically. And we did. We've, we've been – We've been working in the off season. We uh, we opened up a training center out here in Eastlake. Uh, we have full use of a gym. Um, it's dedicated for our team. So we've been in the gym four times a week, um, and and we're gonna come back. We're gonna come back a lot stronger. So we're excited. Perfect segue to my next question because I'm looking at that in the trainer facility, 
And and by the way, anybody who who out there is an NFL fan knows that the San Diego Chargers haven't had one forever. And so that's the importance of the San Diego surge here. And I think that's awesome. And also I went through a transition as well where, you know, when I was in college, um, I happened to be there during a transition. And we went from this old, decrepit, beat-down weight room. You know, we're outside doing, you know, pulling logs <laughs> one one off season, and then the next we have this spanking new training facility, and you saw all, everyone that was involved with the program start to just step it up a little bit. When you have that kind of uh, facility to go to, especially to get your training methods, talk a little bit about how important it was for you guys to get this new training facility for your team. Oh, it's a tremendous benefit. We um, we're here meeting, um, you know, for Monday through Thursday, we give the girls off, uh, Fridays off to, to kind of just uh, regroup and get their bodies healed. And then we're back at it with Coach either on a Saturday or Sunday. He runs uh, some clinics with, with the team. So it's a tremendous benefit to have the training facility. We have, you know, use of, of all kinds of weights and, and rogue sleds and battle ropes. And it's just been it's, – it's, it's a big plus. And when we recruit the new players – um, bringing them to this facility to have them work out with us, I think means a lot. They see that we're a very organized organization who cares about the players, um, that we're a very professional organization, that we care about uh, their physical well-being, uh, even in the off-season. So it it's, it's actually helps for recruiting as well, and um, and and it's it's been a blessing for us for sure. All right, um, Christina, the the excitement of the WFA with the tears and you're the owner and you're probably in more contact with Lisa and all the other owners. Do you think that the key, everybody flocking to the WFA this year, all this off season, all the, you know, teams on the East coast, uh, new teams um, coming up. Where do you see the WFA right now? Well, they're, they're very, extremely strong. I think with the addition of the teams that I've seen, um, you know, being added, and as late as a couple of weeks ago, they were still adding some teams in. So, you know, I think, um, obviously, in my opinion, you know, there should be a very strong league that, that and maybe possibly only one league, and, and it's kind of possibly even moving in that direction. So, you know, um, WFA is, is um, uh, a very strong league that, that um, has been obviously around very solid. So, I think as the years continue to go on, uh, they're just going to keep getting stronger and, and more teams will, will join in. So um, well, we still have a lot of teams in some cities that possibly maybe some cities don't need multiple teams. But, again, maybe that's just the revelation that, that's going to happen um, over the years to come is, is maybe some of these teams are going to start consolidating possibly to get the level of play a little bit higher. And that that's what I would hope. Now uh... – Christina, in your realm of the of the California coast, you got the Warriors pretty much stepped up last year. You got uh, the War Angels in your background there in terms of a top team. Uh, the the Sin City Trojans sort of rose a little bit there um, in terms of just overall tiers. But uh, tier one in it in itself, as Troy was alluding to, tier one in itself has completely improved. So you guys coming back uh, really just elevates the West Coast to another level. Yeah, it does. It does. We we definitely have some familiarity with with those teams. Um, Central Cal is always a strong, strong team. So um, I I hope that with us coming back into the league, it really helps. Um, it, it's going to help the the level of play and the level of competition and. Um, 
you know, we again, we've been familiar with those teams over the years. So um, there's nothing but excitement here in San Diego. We're, we we just can't wait for April, and, and uh, it, can't come, it, can, it can't come fast enough. Uh, we've got to make it through the first tryout. first tryout, again, is January 15th. We're going to have the tryout there at Qualcomm Stadium. Uh, there's a practice field there on location. So, um, you know, I, I hope to roster. You know, if we can get 65, 70 players rostered, that's, that's what we're shooting for. Now, Christina, how is the uh, Rap- Sam Rappaport, New York, you got Katie in Atlanta. You got Jen now working exclusively internally with the NFL. Um, as an owner, you know now you have basically some relationships with the big umbrella or the big gorilla, as you call it. Um, is there anything that you guys are striving for in terms of maybe uh, what the divas have done with the Redskins in terms of doing like a women's forum or women's clinics or something to dive in your top players? To, to show up at some clinics to just kind of make uh, the fans of the Chargers aware that there's obviously a championship team in the area that's obviously a women's football tackle, just like the Divas have done with the uh, Women of uh, women of Washington uh, uh, organization with the Redskins. Oh, without a doubt. How exciting is that? The the former players that have, that have played and now are taking positions uh, at the NFL level, and that's just it's amazing. It's um a big tribute to, to their success and their hard work. And so, yeah, without a doubt, that's in our plans to, to try to get more involved. You know, there's a big question mark here in San Diego. Where are the Chargers going to go? And, and uh, that's yet to, to, to be announced. So I hope, you know, that they stay here in San Diego, obviously, so we can continue to, to, re, to rebuild that relationship. I do know uh, the Spano family um, a little on a personal level, um, being that, that my company has a suite there at the stadium. So I'm able to talk to them at least once a year and remind them that, that we have this women's football team here in San Diego. So uh, I'm excited to get back into women's football and, and to really try to promote our team here in San Diego. How, uh, uh, Christina, marketing-wise, how has it been for you for you to go in there and say, hey, we played at the first NFL stadium at Heinz Field and we won the national championship? I mean, is that is that a big carrot for you in terms of sponsorship or – is anybody not even aware of this? Or when you mention it, it, is it open eyes at this point? It is. Still a lot of people that don't know about it. And, you know, two weeks ago, Melissa and I were actually in Pittsburgh to watch the uh, the Giants game in Pittsburgh. And, wow, talk about uh, some emotion when we walked into that stadium because last time we were there was when we won the national championship. So um, there's still it's still a, it's still a learning uh, a learning process to, to try to get um, that story out to, to market and, and, and try to turn that into some sponsorships for the team. Um, there will be a handful of people that we come across that do uh, know that women's football exists, but it's, it's, it's been a tough, you know, I'm not going to lie. It's been a tough sell, um, but we're, we're going to continue to push and to market our team. We have to, uh, we want more people in the stands. We want more awareness of women's football. Um, and it starts, like you say, it starts in the community. We need to get out and do more community events, uh, run some clinics with the kids, um, visit the local schools, give tickets to the kids at the local schools, and that's what we're planning to do. That's part of our ma- our marketing plan for, for this upcoming season is to really work with the youth, um, get the, the stands full of, of uh, youth kids, and, and try to participate a little bit more in the community. The travel expenses are always an issue in terms of the sport. Um, how is this going to affect, especially on the West Coast, it becomes more of a burden, I think, more than the East Coast because of the 
spans of you know between states. So um, how are you combating that after a year off? Is that something you guys planned ahead, knowing that you might go to Dallas at this point or Seattle or you know how that goes in terms of as we get towards the later part of the season, obviously you're into a playoff mode. Um, is that something you guys have maybe devised some sort of plan in that year off? Yeah, you have to do that. You have to plan for that. That's that's where, you know, um, I think being being a successful team as an owner, you have to plan for those types of expenses. And so we've we've been accustomed to those expenses with uh, winning and and being very successful comes travel expense, and we've not been uh, we we've not uh, gotten away from that uh, since we started this team. We've traveled quite a bit, and so um, we know what it takes expense wise, and we try to budget some of that in. Um, with the player fees but you know in the end as the owner it falls on my on my shoulders and that's part of my responsibility as an owner and I think anyone who's played for our team and played for me knows that um, this is a solid organization Um, this is a top-notch organization so um, without a doubt it's part of the budgeting that I've that I've developed and and worked on and uh, it's 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 a tough pill to swallow when it comes time to have to put to pay for those airline tickets but I tell you what it's worth it. It really is worth it because the experience that this team gets and these players get, and then when you win the national championship, there's nothing that beats that. Um, so it's well, it's well worth every penny that we spend and that I spend as an owner. And, you know, it's, it's a passion. It's a love for the sport. And um, with that comes, you know, a responsibility as being a team owner. And that's, that's what I think we're known, we're known for here in San Diego is, is a top-notch, very well-run organization. Christina, the the aspect of the sport being into tier systems sort of benefits almost every team at every level. So can you speak to that at this point? I mean, it was very exciting last year to kind of watch that, you know, the setup where you had a tier one, tier two mix in terms of scheduling. But that was really good because you had, you know, uh, a tier two St. Louis slam taking on a tier one Kansas City Titans, as an example, um, then, you you know, you mix that in. One team obviously uh, outmatched over the other in, in certain aspects of roster, but overall very, very uh, good for testing in season. And then you had, you know, Division Three, which was, you know, obviously a roster issue because you got – obviously you can't put up a 40-man roster or 50-man roster. So it was kind of beneficial to have like the Zydeco uh, or the Black Widows up in, in Virginia uh, still compete for a national championship. And I think the tiers really – benefits every team at every level in terms of growth, uh, you know, being promoted. Uh, I was always mentioning Mexico, for example, in FX, FXL, FX of Mexico. Uh, th- what they do is tier one, they play their season, and then whoever's at the bottom of the feeder gets demoted to t- the division two. And then the, the same applies to the division two champ. They get promoted to division one as an example. So, and that's all obviously off roster size. So can you tell, you know, you're, you're an owner. Can you tell us a little bit about the, the man, the, you know, the man staffing in terms of uh, maybe within tiers or to set up some sort of standard for that? I'm not too familiar. I mean, I think that was the first year they went to that last season and, and being removed from, from football for a while, just to take a break. I, I didn't, um, wasn't quite familiar with how it worked, but I, I think overall it's a great idea, right? Because it gives those teams um, the opportunity to grow. 
and those teams the opportunity to to grow their roster and to to then turn into a to a, an upper tier type um, organization. So I think it's a it, and like you said, it gives the opportunity for someone to play for a national championship who otherwise might have not, if 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 it was just you know one league with with no tier system. So I think it's it's proven to to be very um, very good for the teams and again for those smaller teams um, the ability to to play for a national championship and then also the ability to to continue to grow their their organization it's it's a tremendous amount of work as an owner um to uh team and and to have it continually be successful and to continually try to find sponsors it's it's a tough it's a tough tough job to have as an owner um so i like that tier system a lot now christina as as tough as it gets i know i've talked to odessa i've talked to um uh, the Divas, pretty much all the top-tier teams, Chicago Force, big metro areas, still tougher than anywhere else because you're still mixed in with the, the pro teams, the college teams, and everything else. So do you have you guys, by any chance, had conversations with Lisa about how the, you know, the big uh, gorilla, which is, you know, the banner, which is the WFA, in terms of maybe uh, doing a little bit more in that aspect of it or maybe uh, trying to align themselves a little bit more with maybe the NFL at this point in terms of – because I know we've talked about if you get a pro league started, for example, it might be the East Coast because you've got probably the strongest, the strongest teams on the East Coast and the, and the proximity in terms of travel is probably less because they're closer in proximity. But uh, the only thing that would be able to fit the bill would be the NFL trying to fit the bill for travel. If, if, they, if the NFL – fit the bill for travel in a, in a true pro league, like a six to eight team pro league, that would be such a beneficial start because already right now, it's not like the players are getting paid, but if, you know, if the big umbrella or the big kahuna ends up, you know, doing the sponsorship for travel, that's a huge uplift, right? Oh yeah. I think they've tried. I, I really think that they have tried over the years. It's not like they haven't tried to go through that type of arrangement or that type of setup. It's tough. It really is tough, and I think as an owner, you know, I can't rely on the league um, getting that type of a sponsorship for my team. I have to really take care of my team on my own, and so um, I know they continue that work, and they have continued that work to try to get the league promoted, you know, on the on the bigger level, but again, I can't count on that, so I have to go, and, and really what works for me out here in San Diego, I'm a business, I'm a business owner, and, and I rely on my fellow my fellow colleagues and, and my fellow business owners that I know to support my team. And they do. Um, we've got a handful of sponsors out here in San Diego um, that have helped us over the years and have helped me with my budgeting. So, you know, I, I would, I'm hopeful that obviously that the sport would jump to another level, but I can't, you know, I can't rely. I, w- I won't be able to rely on that. So I'm going to continue to market for myself and, and really try to, to, to make my budget work for me. And, and if we can get the league on another level, then it's a big plus. But they, they are working. I know that Lisa and Jeff and, and T-Con and everyone involved on the league level, they're, they're out there. They're trying. They're trying, and, and they have been trying. And, you know, they'll continue to do the best, what's, what's for the best for the league and, and, and try in every avenue possible. Christina, out in terms of sponsors, since you're on right now, what is uh, is there a level of sponsorship that you're looking for right now in terms of more of a big need, you know, a, a big amount, or where does the sponsorship level begin in terms of an amount, like an average amount? 
Sure. One of our biggest supporters is a company out in Temecula called Helix Storm. Um, it's an IT company. I know the owner very well. And, you know, they, they help us with travel. Um, that's probably one of my biggest sponsors. They help us on a travel on a travel budget. But, you know, we're there there's there's every level of sponsorship that we'll that we're interested in, in taking even sometimes just product um there's a lot of companies out there that want to push a product right so um we'll do exchange in exchange for product uh, for our team to try whether it's an energy drink whether it's an energy bar uh something that could that could help the players uh, before practice after practice you know we'll do cross promotions so you know it's not sometimes it's not it's not always a monetary uh, sponsorship that that we're looking for. Um, we do a lot of trade, a, a tremendous amount of trade sponsorships. Um, but uh, our website, we're, we're in the process of redoing our website right now, and and we'll have our sponsorship p- packages up there. But you know, a sponsorship can range from two thousand dollars to twenty five thousand dollars. So um, we really do get a lot of different companies involved. And in, and in thank goodness for Helix Storm. Uh, again, one of our biggest supporters, and I know the owner very well, and he. Uh, he 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 believes in in this team and um he's been a big supporter of women's football so it's uh, we've been very fortunate Christina in terms of the aspect of your team right now uh are you ready to go i mean what are the re- what are the names that we need to be looking for this this upcoming season before we had Gidry and you had obviously Gallegos uh what are some of the names that we need to be watching for as as we come into obviously March, February and March, and then build up to this, you know, the launch and the kickoff. Sure. I mean, um, Melissa Gallegos, I mean, she, um, I saw a post, I can't remember if it was on Twitter or um, I think it was a backseat coach put a, put a, a post up about a um, hundred wins. And, and, you know, Melissa has been playing for, for well over, I believe she's going into her 12th season. So, um, she she is a veteran player who uh, isn't finished. Um, she she's got a lot of football left on her arm, and that's a name to to always um, to always be excited about. Uh, Gidry Gidry's coming back. Um, we've got a, a, a good portion of the O line coming back. Uh, Ebony Chambers, who is an All Star. Um, so there's there's still a lot of names that uh, that that people will recognize. A lot of new names. A lot of new, new, uh, new vet, new uh, rookies that we've been recruiting, and you know, being a veteran team like we are, uh, that has been our main concern is to make sure that we're getting a lot of new players in the system, so that um, they can, when when the veterans are ready to retire, um, you know, we've got some solid players behind them. So, again, we're excited. We're we're working hard in the gym, um, and and. Like I said, April can't come fast enough for us. So classified tier one at this point. Uh, have you had any conversations with Lisa, or is that pretty much uh, you're in at tier one at this point? Yes, we are in at tier one at this point. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I I believe that we're going to be playing a lot of the same teams that we played in prior years. And I think the schedule with still in his draft form maybe, but I think that WFA is pretty close to releasing the final schedule uh, within the next couple of weeks. But we've, we, as an owner, we've, we've seen the preliminary schedules and, and we are on a tier one basis. How excited are you to uh, create the rivalry up North? And then obviously you've always had the rivalry in Fresno. Um, so how exciting is going to be that triangle, the, the Warriors, the Surge and the uh, War Angels? That's going to be pretty exciting for all the fans. 
It is. It is. Um, you know, we 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 have we have friends on on both those teams, and you know, as friendly as we are off the off the field, or you know, as friends off the field, but on the field, you know, it's football, and so um, we're excited to to create that those rivalries again, and uh, those are some tough games. I mean, it's never an easy game when we go up against the Warriors or um, or the War Angels. So it it's always those are always real good games and and if you're a competitor you know like like we are we're it's there's a lot of excitement it, it's been brewing for some time right so we are ready to let that to let that go and we're ready to get on the field christina um there's one uh hiccup in the road and it's uh dfw and jenkins is probably ready for you at this point so yeah. what would you have to say to her today oh they're tough <laughs> they're tough uh, they're tough. That That is a tough organization, very well coached, extremely, extremely talented team. Uh, when we say we took, we took a, some hits uh, on the chin and, and some really hard losses, they were one of them. Uh, that, that still stings. Uh, there's a lot of, a lot of uh, emotions still um, from that loss. And, you know, we didn't play well um, when we traveled there. Um, Melissa had a horrible game and she remembers that she remembers that game. So a lot of emotion, a lot of emotion. Uh, they're a tough, tough team. And I know it's going to be tough. Whomever is going to get to Pittsburgh next season has got to go through Dallas without a doubt. So, um, you know, we just got to prepare ourselves and, and, and keep that in our mind. We got to keep that game. You know, they always say, forget about your past games and past history, but, we got to remember that because I think that's going to bring us to another level and that motivation that we're going to need to, to get through them. So Christina, as an owner of this league, part of this league, uh, are you excited? You know, the divas now making a connection on the East coast, back-to-back champs, uh, two historic championship games between the elite and the divas at a high level, just like you guys did with the force in 2012. So the level of competition, we've talked about it in, in various interviews here, it just seems like uh, players are now are gravitating to this league, not just in the, in the States, but internationally as well. They're coming from Europe. They're coming from, you know, everywhere else to play in this league. So is, does that make you proud as an owner that now you're being seen as probably an elite league worldwide? Yeah, that's that's funny you mentioned that because we've gotten three about two or three emails from some players um, that are international players. I didn't reach out to them; they reached out to us. And uh, in fact, uh, one or two of them will be at tryouts in January. I've not met them before, so yeah, I think it's exciting. I, I think international players want to get um, to the states to play. Chicago has had some some tremendous um, recruiting. Um, with with some international players and, and so has DC. So I think that the uh, it's exciting because you're you are right. They are gravitating towards towards this league. And again, I didn't reach out to any of these players. They reached out to us, and they might have done their their homework and and seen the success that we've had. And I think that's why they reached out to us. So we're excited. We're excited to see what these players uh, uh, will bring to our team and and see what their level of play is and. And then that is exciting. Any surge players are going to be in Orlando for a spot on the national team as, as, as of today that you know of? 
I do know that about three or four of our players are going to make that trip out to to Orlando. Um, so I have to be very mindful of our scheduling um, <laughs> to make sure that we uh, we work around those players' schedules. So we're excited for them. I, I don't believe Melissa is going to make that trip out there, um, uh, but I do know that two or three players uh, from the surge are are heading out that way. So very exciting. Uh, that's a great opportunity uh, and one that we wouldn't you know, tell them not to pass up. So although it may conflict with some stuff that we're doing, um, you know, they're, they're going to go and, and compete and, um, and, and, and hopefully make that team. Now, uh, Melissa, one or two or three make the team. It's got to make you very proud to represent the organization and then ultimately as a search player representing the country. So that's, that's got to be very, uh, very exciting for you. Exactly. Yeah. Melissa did play on Team USA. Um, oh, gosh, I can't even remember what year it was, but uh, the year they went to Sweden. So um, it was very exciting, something that she will hold close to her heart forever. And um, that experience uh, is just amazing for any player. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's it's a great a great opportunity for them to represent the U.S. for sure. Now, uh Christina, uh, Christina, the the excitement behind you know even Troy and myself, the short span of your franchise and the amount of success here, just just basically speaks volumes as you as you're mentioning before with the coaching, um, but it really speaks volumes about the ownership. So uh, we we would have to give you a big shout out for the fact that you guys are laboring out there and doing your part, but the end result on the field product is a championship quality product. And I can tell you right now, given the way that the last year went, you had, you know, the, the Renegades, you got the Force, uh, even the Fusion out there. A lot of teams nationwide now in this league uh, more, with more visible aspects in terms of coverage on social media, in terms of coverage, uh, you know, local press and everything else. Um, this has got to be a, an exciting time, not just for you as an owner, but an exciting time as a fan of, uh, women's tackle football and how le- uh, the level we've gotten to. And then we're going to have the World Football Games again in Orlando in conjunction with the Pro Bowl and then the US tri- uh, US, uh, USA trial. So uh, a lot of excitement in 2017 is what I'm getting at is with the tier systems, the, the growth, the new influx of teams. Um, it's got to make you very, very proud to be proud of this brand. But at the same time, as an owner, very proud that uh, now the visibility is there where people are seeing the high level of football. Yeah, I think it's um, it was the right time to come back in, and um, uh, it, it's it's there, there's passion. I, I have great passion for this sport, and I think that that passion drives the success for our team. And um, I'm you know I'm a, a business owner. I own a couple other businesses. Uh, this is my favorite one. <laughs> uh, may not be the most profitable one, but it's my favorite one. And so um, I love this game. I love the women's football. I love to see the new players, the veterans, just these life experiences that these women are, are experiencing. And, and it really is, it really is something, this sport really changes your life. It changes your life. But there's, I can't, I can't tell you how many stories I've had of players that have come into this organization. And this is probably the same story across the United States. Women's football changes their life. Um, And so to be a part of that uh, means a lot and it's very exciting so I think it you, it is the right time to come back in. Uh, we did need that one year off. We're back now. 
I'm excited and we're going full force forward and, and we're hoping to make it, you know, to the end and, and to compete and to compete at that level that we're, we're accustomed to competing at. And that's the surge way. I mean, this, this organization is very successful and uh, we don't, we don't expect anything less. So we're, we're going for it all this season. And um, there's a lot of teams that are going to be in the way. And, and those are some solid quality teams. So um, we're ready to compete and we're excited for that. Will it be Melissa's a hundred victory this year? Do you think it'll, you'll be able to acquire it uh, in terms of stats? Have you kept track of in how, how much more does she need for the hundred? I know Cahill got the the hundred, especially against the force. That was uh, pretty exciting. Um, so where do you think, where do you see her getting it? Is it going to be within the season or will it take another season? You know, I gotta, I've got to dig through some stats because, you know, I obviously she played for the San Diego Sunfire and she played for the SoCal Scorpions before the San Diego Surge. So I think she might, I'm not sure if she's already hit it. I, that's, uh, it's an, that's an awful answer for an owner, right? But I've got to look through some of the stats because there, there's a possibility she's she's hit it already. Um, well, we uh, might yeah, have to call Neil on this one. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a great that's a great resource, PD of women's football. But you know, her seasons with the San Diego Sunfire were very successful, and and she played with the SoCal Scorpions as well. So she's got she's got a lot of football under her belt, and I think she might have already hit that mark. I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll email you so you can uh, update everyone if she did, and uh, I'll look into that. Yeah, for you. that, that would she, be great. I mean. We we made a lot of fanfare for Cahill out there, so it would be just be fitting to announce it if she has hit it and congratulate her obviously on her on her victory if it's going to be that hundred victory. For sure, and if she hasn't, then uh, we'll for sure have a big celebration when she does hit it, and it, it will be very soon. <laughs> we'll hope it'll be very soon. So, uh, Christina, what do you, what did you think of the level of play last year in the tiers, and then? You know, you got Hamlin on the East Coast. Uh, you got uh, Gore going to, <laughs> of all places, Gore is going to Dallas. Uh, so talented, Rachel. Seattle, Chicago, and now Dallas. So it, it's not a, it doesn't get any easier for you, I guess, in terms of that quarterback aspect mm-hmm. of it. Um, so, uh, what do you think of the? Uh, you know, the, there's a lot of players shifting in different places because you know for needs and everything else and job and and opportunities and stuff, but. Uh, the way we brought you on is because everybody was excited about your team. When somebody said the surge this year, it was like, it was like, really, they're coming, they're coming back. It was that exciting. You know what I mean? Like the, the, it was like a bombshell type deal where you're coming back. So we we really appreciate you uh, making the time today to showcase your, your talented team yourself uh, with all the efforts that you put together uh, the excitement of the three-tier system in the WFA for 2017. Just so much excitement uh, and thrilling uh, anticipation for this coming up season. So it's kind of, I don't know, to me, I've been following the sport since 2009, and this is about as close as you're going to get to the NFL level of, you know, competition and, and coverage. And we try to cover it in an NFL format anyways. So just, just exciting San Diego's back in the mix. That's what, that's what I want to say. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And, and equally excited uh, we are. And, and, you know, like I said, this last season, uh, taking the season off, it was very hard to uh, to look in the eye of those players and that question, you know, are we done or are we coming back? And 
you know, I always knew we were going to come back. I just didn't know quite when, but um, we're ready, and, and, and it is a very exciting time. It's an exciting time for women's football, an exciting time for sports in general, and, and let's go. We're ready. Now, uh, can you let us know, uh, the fans, where they can dive into the team on social media, on the website? You said the website's going to be redone, obviously. And when is the next tryout? So anybody in your area that wants to come out and see if they can get on that roster? Yeah, our tryout, so we only have one one uh, tryout this season, and it's January 15th uh, from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. We're holding it at the Qualcomm practice stadium or practice field, which is at the stadium um, uh, in Mission Valley. And uh, you can find us online at www.sandiegosurge.com. Um, from there, you can link to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram accounts. And um, we're just kind of up and running, so we're redoing some of the uh, the, the social media sites and um, contracted a company to take care of that, that part of it so that, you know, we could focus in on other things. So we're excited to launch that new website but our, in the meantime our, our website is still active and and they can find information on that website do you have any commemorative 2012 t-shirts still available because that would be a good sell on that site just to because that's a, that's a historic you know memorabilia so if you if you can get something like that up there that's that's pretty that's a pretty nice collectible oh yeah we've we still my garage is full of uh T-shirts and sweatshirts and coffee mugs and keychains and and things that we still have uh, in inventory. So without a doubt, we'll launch the the uh, store and and fans will be able to find that stuff. And we have a really nice merchandise booth at our home games as well. So we have quite of uh, one of the other businesses that we own is a print shop. So we're fortunate enough to be able to print all of our uh, season tickets, our brochures, our T-shirts, sweatshirts, and hats and things like that. So. We're very fortunate in that respect. Christina, I appreciate you making the time. I wish you continued success. Uh, you're always uh, welcome to come on to promote anything during the season or in the midseason or maybe at players or chat about, you know, the end season and what's going to happen in the WFA. But, uh, you know, I've said it here before, uh, very proud of uh, you guys coming back. Um, I know, like I said, Jenkins doesn't shake in her boots, but she'll probably be you know, eyeing you guys at this point. So is, you know, the, the War Angels and the Pacific Warriors. So just just the, the Cali swing there is going to be very exciting to, for us to watch and monitor. And, and your goal, obviously, is passionate, a lot more passionate than my former coach on the Rams. Just might mm-hmm. add that right now. Um, <laughs> no, that's probably why he doesn't have a job right now. Um, but mm-hmm. overall, uh, we're very excited to have the San Diego search back in the WFA mix for 2017. And so the tryouts are going to be in January, January 15th. So you can uh, contact San Diego Surge um, and, and get in, involved with that. Um, so thanks for being uh, supportive of our network as well and our show. And we really appreciate it. We uh, wish you continued success as we come closer to kickoff. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much. I appreciate the time that you've had us on air. And uh, we look forward to working with you throughout the season. Anytime, Christina. Thank you. Have a great evening. Uh, we'll be in okay. touch, and we'll be uh, keeping an eye on the surge for 2017. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you. Good night. All right, Troy, there you go. Uh, in the same line as the DC Divas and the Jenkins Elite Squad, um, pretty impressive, and she said it. Uh, they're out for – they're going for gold. They're not – 
they've already put it out out there that they're 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 coming for another hardware. You gotta love that kind of confidence and you know being used to competition. I mean, if you are you know if you've ever been a competitor in anything, you gotta be able to appreciate that. So I just love the Moxie. I love the the confidence that she has. You know, just checking out the website here. Oh, man, uh, you know, I, I can't wait to see these guys in action. So I just, you know, I'm, I'm going to be looking forward to it. I'll be watching them this upcoming season when they kick off in April. So I'm, uh, you know, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Troy, how impressive is that? And you brought it up in her in her question. Pretty impressive, you know, when you think of the short span that this franchise has been uh, in, in existence, uh, way, you know, better than the Browns of the NFL technically. But anyways. Uh, if you you know oranges and apples here compared, but surge is way above everything else. Uh, but you know the short span of where they were created. I think in 2010 they win the championships in 2012, and then in 2014 they all they competed once again in the uh, in that level, and all of a sudden they take a year off and they come back. And so the expectation is the same, and as she's saying before, there's a core nucleus there for the coaching, uh, and they have a plan together to. You know, that's going to be an assessment of, of talent, right? The coaching, if they're that confident where they don't need a whole offseason of tryouts, that's got to be very uh, a very good program, in other words. Coaching and leadership, you know, is something I kind of harp on in, in all of these leagues and, and anywhere in football. I just think that's something that you see at at, at any level is when you see, you know, a coach who is a, a leader – of, of young men and young women, you know, when you see that, that's when you you start to see success with with with, with the programs. I mean, you think about the success, the leadership that you know someone like uh, Nick Saban or Jim Harbaugh or Bill Belichick. You know, you start thinking of leadership in that aspect. And so, you know, I, I just think that that's a continuing thing. You see the teams that win the most. They have great leadership from the coaching position, but you also have great leadership from a player from players' standpoints. And I just think that doesn't get evaluated enough. You know, people talk about uh, you know drafting players and recruiting players, but I think one of the things that the best when they when you're going out and you want to be the best, you, you look for leaders. You look for people who who are have the capability of leading people. And I just really think that that is the you know the intangibles that, that put certain teams over the top and then also leave other teams behind. Yeah, it's a big key, especially when you have to assess talent and you, if you can assess talent pretty well. And and she admitted, I mean, they were banged up um, veteran-wise, so they really needed the time off. And, and taking a year off isn't a bad thing anyways. I mean, it's probably the smart thing to do, especially for in, a, in an organizational aspect of it. And considering, obviously, they're not getting paid like the NFL players are, so they really got to think of their well-being and then obviously recoup. So it's a smart move, I think, on their part. And understanding understanding their, um, you know, the level of competition, as you said, they're confident. They're confident that, you know, they can take down the War, uh, War Angels. They're confident they can take down the Warriors. And they're eyeing already the elites. So they're right there, <laughs> huge confidence. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, and, and that's that's another sign of, of great competitors when you look and say, okay, who in my league is the best? Let's go after them, you know. So, 
you know, you want to see that kind of clash. And, I, you know, I'm not sure. I don't have the schedule in front of me. But, um, you know, hopefully at some point these teams meet, whether it be in a playoffs or the regular season. I just think it would be fantastic. It's definitely something I'll tune in and watch. Yeah, and I, I just had to bring in, you know, Odessa's team because they're the cream of the crop basically right next to the Divas. So um, the road to the national championship, the Pittsburgh, undoubtedly will be through Dallas, if anything, the way it's gone the last couple of seasons. It just seems like the road to get there will be to Dallas. And and she said they have unfinished business. They didn't play very well the last time they went there. So, uh, you know, their memory is very vivid in, in that aspect of it. Um, I'm, so we, we look I'm forward to the San Diego Church. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed by yeah, the that's, new facility. That's, I mean, you know, you, 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 yeah. really, you typically don't hear that in, 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 uh, you know, in women's football and women's gridiron. You typically don't hear that when you hear about, you know, they're opening up a new facility that's dedicated specifically for that team. And so that, that, that's huge. I don't think, you know, and, and the great thing about that is that there are going to be other WFA teams, also some IWFL teams, um, that are going to look at that and say, you know what, you know, let's figure out how we can do that. Let's figure out how, you know, we can uh, turn our partnerships into, you know, a way for us to be able to, you know, build a facility for our players and for our for our team so we can further develop this, you know. And I, I just think that this bodes well for them going forward when you have, you know, uh, facilities that can that's actually dedicated specifically for your players. I just think that's that's awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, me and you have been pretty exciting. Uh, we just you know we did that. Um, Troy, let's talk Heisman. You uh, watched it. The list was out. Uh, was the right guy the winner of the Heisman Trophy? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think um, you know all season long. I just think that was, you know, the best way to go about it. I mean, he he's clearly the front runner, um, and you kind of saw that early on in the season. Um, you know, when Lamar Jackson, he was he was absolutely spectacular. I think most people will look back to that Florida State game where they dominated. You know, then the number two team in the nation, they dominated them sixty three to twenty, and it was predominantly on his arm and legs where that was done a lot of people felt like he kind of locked it up then. And then he also benefited from a relatively unspectacular, um, you know, cast of guys that were, you know, competing for that same, you know, Heisman Trophy, where a lot of those guys who were competing kind of slipped up at one point or another, or their team slipped up at one point or another during the year. But I just think overall, he was just, he was clearly, uh, you know, head, head, you know, he was head over over the shoulders, the best player in the in the nation. And if you sat down and you knew Louisville was playing, the kid was must see TV. And so, and the crazy thing is, is you know he's a he's a redshirt sophomore, so he has. I mean, he's excuse me, he's a redshirt redshirt freshman, so he has another year where you know he can't go to NFL right now, so he has another year to play at Louisville. And the sky's the limit for this kid. Are you going to see the, you know, the first back-to-back Heisman Trophy winner since Archie Griffin in Ohio State? You know, we'll see. But, you know, right now, even before this season completely ends and all the bowl season's about to start up this week, you got to say right now he's the front runner next year to, to win it as well. 
he's that spectacular a player. And then you got to, you know, think that from a recruiting standpoint for Louisville, that's got to be a huge leg up to know that these recruits are coming in and playing with Lamar Jackson, who most people look at as, you know, possibly the next Michael Vick. Jackson at <laughs> trying to get his speech out uh, and his paperwork out, so uh, it seems like he's pretty excited to get to win it. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, can you imagine that? Just, I mean, the Heisman Trophy. I mean, you, you think about all of the all of the sports, whether it be collegiate or or you know professional. That's the most coveted award, as far as when it comes to just individual talent. You know, I mean, you sit back and say, when you hear Heisman Trophy, you already know what that's about. You're the best player in college football, and that means a whole hell of a lot. Like, do you remember who the MVP of the NFL was last year? It's Cam Newton, right? But the year previous, nobody remembers that. But for the Heisman Trophy, you know, you, you never forget those guys, man. I mean, so when you have when you hear some Heisman Trophy behind your name, that means a whole hell of a lot. So to win that trophy is just is spectacular, and and I I couldn't blame the kid for being all excited and kind of stumbling over his words, and you know that that that's just a surreal moment because you dream of that when you're a kid and you're playing in your backyard or you're playing outside at the park with your friends, is that you're making Heisman moments. I remember doing it myself. I was scoring touchdown. And I saw Desmond Howard, who, of course, I'm a Michigan fan, Desmond Howard, who played wide receiver and punt returner at Michigan. He scored a touchdown. He did the Heisman pose. And, you know, it just went wild after that. So I remember myself, you know, playing up at the park and did the Heisman pose when I scored a touchdown. And it just felt great just to do that. So, I mean, it's the Heisman. I mean, it's it's the absolute pinnacle of, of individual awards in sports. Troy, uh, Deshaun Jackson, uh, Deshaun Watson finishes second, and then it was Baker Mayfield uh, followed by uh, Deed Westbrook and uh, Jabril Peppers. So pretty, uh, pretty competitive class there. But overall, he runs away with it. Um, so congratulations to him. And then I didn't really know until I I was reading a tidbit saying that uh, it's the same school where uh, Johnny Junius started in the 1950s. That's that's pretty, you know. Good class. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Johnny U is, you know, arguably the best quarterback of all time. I mean, if you talk to anybody who watched him play, I mean, most most would say that. People our age would, would probably say Joe Montana, Tom Brady, et cetera. But if you ask any of the old heads, man, they go back and they say Johnny U was the guy, the guy. Yeah, it's a, so congratulations to Lamar Jackson on a great season, and obviously um, put you know Louisville on the map in terms of getting noticed as well. Um, Harbaugh tells uh, the Wolverines to ignore the NFL lies about maybe going to coaching in LA, and you got Kiffin 
who uh, apparently goes to a, uh, FAU. So what's your thoughts there? Well, I, I've said that also. I mean, Harbaugh's not leaving. I mean, that's his alma mater. If you watch Harbaugh's excitement just to be on that Michigan sideline, he, he, this is a guy that loves his job. He loves the University of Michigan. It's going to take a hell of a, a hell of a lot of money to pry him out of it. I mean, and right now he's making, I believe, like $10 million a year. And it's, it's a lot of NFL coaches that's not making. So this is not an issue about money, you know, with him. He's getting paid, and he's at a place where he loved, a place where, you know, that raised him to be the quarterback that he was in the NFL. And so I, it's, I just think that that guy, is, he's definitely going to stay at the University of Michigan for a while. As far as Lane Kiffin, I think Lane Kiffin made the better move. Um, most people who follow Lane Kiffin know that he was formerly the head coach of the Oakland Raiders, and then he went on to um, USC, and then he went on to Tennessee. He's failed in all three of those places. I just think it was a little bit too big for him at the time. Um, and he's also um, his father, Monty Kiffin, was a defensive coordinator, longtime defensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So he he does have a pedigree back there. But I just think Kiffin, this is a good step for him. For Florida Atlantic, you know, for him to go there and try to build that program where it's not as visible, I think part of the problem was he felt like he had to be this personality and kind of be bigger than, you know, uh, the school. I, I just, At least that's the feeling that I get. I just think, you know, this is a better step. He's a good, he's a, he's a good offensive mind. You know, he's, he's got that uh, Alabama offense turned around. Uh, they won the national championship last year. looks like they're on the way to get another one this year. So he does get some credit, especially him doing that with two different styles of quarterback. Um, you know, this last year he had a pocket passer. This year with Jalen Hurts, he has more of a running threat. He still ended up catering the offense to them. So you want to see how he does at FAU. The talent obviously is going to change. But just having Lane Kiffin on there is going to get him a little bit more recruits. And Florida is a hotbed for recruiting. I think it's a good move for for Mark, for, um, for Lane Kiffin and also for Florida Atlantic, obviously. All right, so Troy, this is it for college. We get ready. Uh, obviously, the the semifinals in the college football playoff is not going to happen for a little bit. But um, there's going to be 41 bowl games. Uh, literally between now and, uh, you know, the college football semifinal, uh, a lot of football with a lot of things on the line and uh, in some things it's pride with each bowl game. So what are your top three this coming week that we need to pay attention to? Well, this week um, you have Houston and San Diego State. Now, both of these teams were extremely hot during the season. This will be the Las Vegas Bowl. Um, they were hot during the season. San Diego State was ranked for a good part, of, a good portion of the season. Houston with the huge upset against Oklahoma, and then they came right. That was in the beginning of the season. They came right back at the end of the season and upset a, a hot Louisville with the Heisman Trophy winner on there. Um, Houston, they just lost their coach to the University of Texas. But now they picked up Major Applewhite. Major Applewhite used the former uh, University of Texas quarterback, and now he's uh, he was the offensive coordinator for Houston um, this season and also last season as well. 
he gets the promotion, he gets stepped up so that he's the program, keeps their continuity. And so I just think Houston will have the edge in this game because of their continuity. But San Diego State, extremely tough. They have one of the best running backs in, in, the, in, the, in the entire country. And so they can run the football, and they're pretty explosive on offense. So I'm looking forward to watching that Las Vegas Bowl game. Uh, you also have – let me see here. I'm pull up the rest of my list. Now, you also have UCF and Arkansas State at the Auto Nation Cure Bowl. Now, this game right here is going to be pretty interesting. UCF, they started the season pretty slow, took some bad losses. But, you know, during they started to pick things up after a while. And so you wanted to see how they would equip themselves when, you know, they had some issues, uh, especially when they lost early to the um, University of Maryland. And, you know, but they started to come back during the, you know, the season. And they also picked up some great recruits. Um, and so this is going to be a big moment for them because, you know, they're starting to, to make some moves. Now, UCF, they also had a quarterback, Blake Bortles. So they're starting to get a name for themselves as far as uh, getting some high-name talent in there. Also, uh, Brandon Marshall came from UCF. Arkansas State, they're kind of new up to the Division One level. So this will be, I believe, this is their third bowl game or the second bowl game, I believe. So obviously, I think UCF well, they, has the the advantage. They've won seven out of they won seven out of eight um, after being zero and four. So that's pretty impressive. If we you yeah. know boil down to it, you know seven finish seven and five is pretty strong. So I'm pretty sure they're looking at this as their you know highlight for the year to win this bowl. Yeah, not to mention like last year. I mean, they went from you know, going to the Fiesta Bowl with Blake Bortles, and then last season they were 0-12. This year they're back in the bowl. So, I mean, I just think that's a fantastic leap for them. I mean, it's kind of up and down, but you know what? You'll take the ups whenever you can get it. So, kind of looking forward to that UCF game. Awesome. What's the third game? Well, you also have um, on Saturday you have New Mexico versus uh, – well, let's go with UCF, uh, let me see, Appalachian State and Toledo. Now, Appalachian State, this is this is huge for them because they actually did make that leap to one double into one uh, A this year, and so this is they're formerly a one double A team and they're playing the Toledo Rockets. Now, this would be their first bowl game, and so this is a really exciting time for them. Now, Toledo coming out of the MAC. Um, they were the runner-up this year behind um, uh, Eastern Michigan, excuse me, Western Michigan. And so Toledo still, you know, riding a little – they're riding high, and they felt like they could have won that game in the um, in the MAC championship game against Western Michigan. It's going to be interesting to see, especially how kids, you know, react to those losses when they felt like they could have won the game, and then you kind of go into the bowl game and a lull. I think that's going to be the opposite, though, because when you're in the MAC. And you're you have now you have two teams that are going to be in the bowl. They they feel like they have to represent. They always have to play with respect. Appalachian State again, their first bowl game. That's going to be super interesting right there. And I'm definitely going to tune in to see how they react to it. Appalachian State has a great chance right now to if they keep winning to end up being invited to a much larger conference. And so that's what's at stake for these teams right here. And that's that's going to be the most uh, interesting thing, especially going into the off season. And we got to make a note that they both defeated uh, Michigan in the past nine seasons, so that's a big deal. 
if they can you gotta bring that compete up, up against a Michigan. Right. I have right, to bring, bring that up. up. It's just it's, right. it's it's in my notes. <laughs> I, I I think you erased that on your notes, but I I have it hard copied on mine. Just uh, blame ESPN. That's all I have to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> um. So that's pretty exciting games on there, and then as we get to next week. Uh, the buildup starts to get real because you got uh, what the uh, the the 17th uh, through the 20th, and then obviously December 31st comes into play, and then January. So a lot of excitement between now and January 2nd for college football. So um, you know you two, uh, you're going to be on uh, ESPN app, or you're going to be on ESPN on Fox Sports. Uh, a lot of these games are going to be pretty much on ESPN or CBS Sports Network or some of the major networks on there. So you're able to get access to them pretty much on any content that you have. Um, the NFL week 14, sir, uh, Redskins, uh, where are they at right now in your eyes? And, and uh, Dallas uh, against the Giants of all things, beginning of the beginning of that game, uh, Kishi's not here to speak to it today, of course, but uh the beginning of this game, it just really looked like uh, the Giants were just going to just lay over, and then all of a sudden, Eli Manning and company just, you know, take uh, this young kid and uh, give him his loss. It's, and then they beat them twice, I think, already. So the Giants got the Cowboy number, I guess. Yeah, and, you know, you, you, you kind of expect that from a young team, you know, with, um, with Dallas. You expect them to have some bumps on the road. Um, not to really take the reins, um, they, and they had they had plenty of chances to win that game. Um, from an offensive and defensive perspective, it was a hell of a game, you know. And this is what is one of those tight NFC East games. Giants ended up pulling it out. They have so much momentum right now, and you know, watching them, you know, when they beat Dallas, you got to think that that team is going to be either sky high. Or they're setting themselves up for a loss next week coming into the for the Lions, for the for the Cowboys. It's not. It wasn't the end of the world, and I'm actually very surprised that the narrative coming from the, some of the fans. I'm not gonna say all of the fans, but some of the fans and the media, they're already clamoring for Tony Romo. Now, you, listen, Dak is hitting the wall. All right, so I think that's pretty much clear from the last, you know. The last three weeks, he's been, you know, not as spectacular as he was in the beginning of the season. You know, the Redskins game, he didn't have, you know, gaudy statistics, but he got the job done. It was the same thing in the Minnesota Vikings game. And this game, you know, obviously his stats weren't all that great, and they lost the football game. He did throw a touchdown pass early in the first quarter, but it is starting to look like he's hitting that rookie wall. Now, I just think that it's counterproductive, though, for either the fans or the media to start throwing out Tony Romo's name as soon as some things go bad. Because what you don't want to do is start messing around with the confidence of your young quarterback. And so I thought it was a good thing for the Dallas Cowboys organization to come back and say, unless Dak Prescott is hurt, he's going to be the starter. We're not going to see Tony Romo. That's it. I thought that was a great move by them. But I was just surprised that all of this how all of this is starting to come about after you take one loss after this guy's just reeled off eleven straights. And we talked about that, remember? We talked about the, the haunting sort of the Montana young aspect of the relationship going on there, you know what I mean? 
do, do, do we sway off the veteran Montana for the uh, for you know Steve Young? I think we're looking at that right now with Prescott and uh, Romo, the transition, the phasing, um, and yeah, I mean it's kind of like highly critical for fans to even think that because he's having like you said one bad outing, he's got 11 wins under his belt. Uh, he's going to lose one, you know what I mean? It's just the way it is. Brady loses, uh, Rodgers loses, just going to happen. The, and unfortunately, the Giants had the better plan, a game plan in the second half, and they took advantage of it. Yeah, I mean, I just, um, you know, it was, it's one of those things where it could have went either way. And so I, that's the question I would have had was, Let's just say if they scored another touchdown, if Dallas scored another touchdown, would we have asked that same question? Would they have asked that same question? That, that, of course not. To me. Right. I mean, so, and, you know, it's typical Dallas fans. They're never happy. They're never satisfied. They're, they're spoiled. I, you know, they you know they had those that championship run in the 90s, and they haven't been the same since. It's like they really expect themselves to be in the Super Bowl every year. I personally don't think that they're going to make it to the Super Bowl this year, but and, and honestly, I, I, well, I have to change that because now that um, uh, wow, what's his name, Earl, Earl Thomas is out for for Seattle, and you saw how they looked against Green Bay, man, that that didn't look good out there at all. So I mean, you still got to give Dallas, you know, a little bit of the edge right now, but you got to start talking about the New York Giants. Are they the front runners? You know, despite the records, you know, throw all that out to the window. Because you know the way the Giants are built, they can they can throw the ball around. Seattle is now weakened in the secondary. They obviously have you know uh, Dallas's number. They swept them this year. Going forward, are they the lead dog going into the NFC uh, playoffs? So I mean that's something that you got to ask now. Too bad your other uh, your your other half isn't here to debate you because I know she'd be good. <laughs> she'd be giving you some venom. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, true. Anyway, you know she 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 really has nothing to say though this time. I think that's why she picked the match. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and by the way, she is listening. I know for a fact. <laughs> <laughs> you will get yours next week, as as they say, when she returns. <laughs> oh boy, Kiki, uh, I'm sorry, but Troy doesn't want to be very kind. No, no, no. Um, uh, the only comeback she has is they've already clinched, so it's pretty pretty much a slap on the nose or the cheek or whatever you want to call it. Uh, so she's got one up on you there, I guess. Um, so the Giants have to clinch to, to make it. The Giants to make the playoffs, they would uh, have to win week fifteen. Your Redskins would have to lose. The Vikings would have to lose. Uh, or tie, either Redskins, Vikings, loss or tie, and it would have to be Green Bay loss as well. So um, couldn't that happen? Um, I mean, you know what, it, anything can happen at this point. You know, I mean, because this is the NFL. I mean, you see teams get up and all of a sudden they're the world beaters. I mean, you know, who would have thought that, you know, in the beginning of the game, Chicago would have been given the, the Lions a run. And then you get, you know, Matthew Stafford, who hurt his, you know, dislocated his middle finger pretty badly, tore some ligaments. That could have ended up worse. 
um, and they wanted to end up losing that game. So, I mean, you you got to say, you know, it's the NFL. It's a lot of parity there. You know, it's not a whole lot of separation between most of the teams. So is it a possibility that, you know, all of that kind of comes to fruition? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I've seen weirder things happen. You've seen teams go on runs when it comes to wins. You've seen teams go on runs when it comes to losses. So I wouldn't be surprised at anything at this point. The bigger question, uh, Troy, will be, will Cleveland go 0-16 and match the Detroit Lions? Yes. Yes, they will. I mean, they are that bad. I mean, <laughs> yes, they will. I was, like, they're... pondering the schedule already, and I was like, I feel bad now because it's, it's, it's probable and it's actually attainable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, they're, just, they're just bad. I mean, just bad all the way around, man. I mean, RG3, you know, he came back, and I understand it was a snow game, but listen, this is – you decided to, you know – play in, in basically in the Midwest. You know it's going to be a weather issue. It's not going to get any easier next week. you got to go to Buffalo. And then, you know, you get a, you know, you're at home against the Chargers and then you're at the Steelers. So the weather isn't getting any better. So, uh, you know, I don't want to hear any excuses about the snow. But they got a hard schedule coming up. The Bills are desperate. The Chargers, they play tough with everybody. Um, but they have some injuries now with um, – uh, they got some injuries at running back right now. And then, of course, the Steelers, they're still fighting for their lives, even though you know right now they're ahead in the division because the Ravens took a loss to the Patriots. But, you know, who knows how the season's going to shake out. The Steelers may need that game. So, yeah, I don't, it, it really doesn't look good for the Browns. It really doesn't look good for them at all. Well, I will have to just mention it here since everybody can listen. Uh, the Niners are eliminated. The Rams are eliminated. The Bears are eliminated. The Browns are eliminated. The high hopes that we had for the Jaguars at the beginning of the season, they're eliminated. And these gangrene people in the East Coast are eliminated. So those are the eliminated people. Yeah, um, that's pretty bad. I was really surprised about with the Jets. Um, But just, just think how bad. Just think how bad that was for as bad as the Jets have been playing and as bad as San Francisco has been playing for San Francisco to have a 17-6 lead and lose that ball game in overtime. That was just, I mean. What do you think, what do you think Holly was, uh, Troy, what do you think Holly was feeling when she was watching that? Pretty, oh, my she was probably God. throwing stuff. She was probably throwing stuff at the wall or something, you know, with her, yeah. with her uh, uh, Captain America knee brace. She probably threw the yeah, knee brace, probably. I'm pretty sure. She slammed the knee brace right into the wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not good, man. That's not good. Sorry, Ollie. We had they to focus it in a little bit. They did that at home, too. That's just that's awful. Yeah, it is. Um, so that there's the eliminated group. So if you're a fan of any of those, like I am, you can just walk your ass out the door. <laughs> into the snow, into the because <laughs> you're no longer in a comfort zone. <laughs> and for me, I have no coaching or leadership. Pathetic, really pathetic. Oh yeah. my God! I wish I was at that press conference and go. You are. You should go too. Would you like to go now? <laughs> no, yeah. Anyway, I'm going to give Kevin I, a second I, chance. I think the Browns fans would be actually pissed off if they won a game. I mean, because now you're trying to play your way out of that first draft pick. So, I mean, oh, that's you know, messed you got, up, Troy. 
That's yeah. messed up. That's messed up, dude. That's not even right. Like, why, why are you going to try That's to That's not even right. <laughs> That's law, that dude. That's law. After all that crap they went through this whole year. And they they have not had success with the number one pick. <laughs> they have not had success with the number one pick, so that's not even a good thing either. <laughs> it's sad. Oh, either way. Right. Oh, oh boy. It, it says their, their, their history is about as brown as their uniform. It's just bad. Yeah. Brown. Yeah. <laughs> Diluted. Uh, they got to change their colors or something. They they really got to do something. Reinvent themselves or do something. You know what I mean? Maybe put. I mean, maybe uh, there was a, a brown there was a Browns fan on on Twitter that said, "Why the hell can't they put that uh, dog mug or dog mascot that they always portray? Put it on the on the helmet now. Maybe that'll encourage them." Yeah, I, I always thought the same thing too. I just think they messed up ever since they fired Marty Schottenheimer. Um, he had that program going back in the in the late eighties, man. I mean, he he really had them going, man. I mean, you had Bernie Kosar, you had Webster Slaughter, yep. Reggie Langhorn, Ozzie Newsom, you had Eric Wright at the safety position, Frank Minifield, Hanford Dixon at the corner, you had Clay Matthews Senior. That was a that was a very formidable squad, you know. Michael Dean Perry, Refrigerator Perry's brother. I mean, they had it going, and they would just I don't know why they sat back and said, you know what. We think we can do better than Marty Schottenheimer and Marty get out of here. And they haven't been the same since. The real question is why are we even talking about them? But uh, that's because no we idea. haven't any beer and, and wine. <laughs> yeah, why are we talking about <laughs> We're really going off the deep end here. Uh, believe us, whoever's listening to us right now, we do have a, a script of some sort here going on. And it wasn't the Browns, by the way. But we went from the Jets to the Browns, so that was pretty bad. <laughs> So we got, Anyways, we got, we got let's regroup. Let's regroup, as my professor would say. Let's regroup on the topic. Let's get back to right. the topic at hand here. Um, so the East, uh, Brady, AFC East, at this point, uh, we already knew he was going to own it, even with the four games not playing early. Um, just this guy is just keeps winning, dude. This is just, I don't know. This is just, uh, you know, another day at the office. Whoever he's got. He kind of blends in and patches up, and I mean Hogan comes up and does the thing, even with even with Edelman doing some drops there and no Gronk. I just 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 you got to give this guy credit. I mean I think he's probably he has to go down as probably one of the best quarterbacks, considering the fact that he's had no real weapons. You know, like Peyton Manning had a, reliable weapons for a couple seasons in both ends of things, besides Denver, but in, in Indianapolis. Uh, Brady, you know, makeshift makeshift wide receivers. Now, you know, durable tight end for a little while, and all of a sudden, no, no tight end, and just they keep plugging these people in, and just I don't know, just it, it works. Yeah, I mean that goes back to that leadership, man. I mean, you know, he he's Tom Brady is, is just a fantastic leader. You got Bill Belichick, who is obviously a great coach. But Tom Brady, to me, I, I don't even think it's a debate a debate anymore. I think he's the best quarterback to ever live. I mean, the guy, he's, what is he, 38, 39 right now? Jeez, man, he's and he's playing like, he's still playing like he's the absolute best quarterback in the league, and he is the best quarterback. I just think, man, this, you know, that train that they have going in, they are the epitome of plug and play. They're the epitome of next man up. It doesn't matter who's on the roster. 
as long as you got Tom Brady, as long as you got 12 back there, you got a chance to win the Super Bowl every single year. Can you think of a year other than the year that he got hurt that they weren't in the conversation as far as going to the Super Bowl? I can't remember. I mean, these guys just won. I would like to have him. I'd like to have him in L.A. for a season, just one season, with a good <laughs> offensive line. You know what I mean? It's a dream, yeah. Troy. It's a dream. Uh, yeah. But it's it, it, never going to happen. Do you think Belichick no. wants to come to the Rams? No. <laughs> that That's even more laughable than the Browns getting their first round draft pick and not and oh. losing out the rest of the season. <laughs> no, he he would. Very pathetic. I don't think he would make it in L.A. Man, L.A. is a whole no, 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 no. That's that that sounds not for him. All right, Troy. Let's hype up your Chiefs because you've been hyping up the Chiefs slowly every week since we've been on this year. And you have been on target every single week. You you were you said, hey, Alex Smith and company, watch out. They're coming. Denver is sliding. Are the Raiders really for real? That's what we're looking at right now. San Diego is up and down, just like a crybaby. One, you know, whomping, womp, womp, womp. So, Chiefs, do you think they close it out? I mean, I, I just think that they have all the tools that you need, especially this time of year, to win. You have a quarterback who rarely turns the ball over. Like, he threw an interception last week, and everybody's kind of looking around like, oh, what the hell is going on? You can run the ball. You have several running backs. Um, you know, Jamal Charles may come back at some point also. And then now you have, you have, you have of course, you have your tight end, uh, Travis Kelsey. He's a weapon. And now, all of a sudden, you have this game breaker that comes out of nowhere, Tyreek Hill, rookie kid. You know, young kid out there just, you know, playing football and, and is probably the fastest guy on the field every time he dresses up. So now you have this new weapon out there. You already have a defense that can rush the passer. You have a tremendous secondary back there. Um, now, um, Johnson, he was hurt. Derek Johnson, their middle linebacker, their leader of their team, he was hurt, but he was kind of ailing all, you know, throughout the year. And they still ended up winning this game against the Raiders. Going forward, we'll see if that's going to make a big difference because Derek Johnson was the one, he's the guy that's out there at middle linebacker that's making all the calls and setting up the defense. So, you know, we'll see if that makes a, 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 a difference going forward. But I just think that this team right now, man, they have all the tools. If you give them home field advantage, if you allow them to have playoff games at Arrowhead Stadium, one of the hardest places to play outside of Seattle. Probably it's the hardest place to play outside of Seattle. I will say that. It's going to be some problems for any team that's coming in. I don't care what the team is. They're going to have problems beating Kansas City in Kansas City. So a lot of these teams, they better get on their horse. They better get on their horse because these, these guys are coming. It's pretty simple for KC, right? When you're in. It's as simple as that's that. It. They don't have that's to mess it. around. If they just win, they're in. Yeah, I mean, that's that's all you need to do. So, I mean, they have everything lined up for them right now. And, you know, and they've beaten the best that the AFC has had to offer. You know, they, they swept the Raiders. So, I mean, you know, that was the top dog for a while. They've beaten the Broncos. They've beaten the Colts. They've beaten some of the best uh, NFC teams. They've beaten the Falcons. So, you know, coming down the pipe now, you got a tough Titans team. They're still in the thick of it. 
They have the Broncos coming up, and that's going to be at home at Arrowhead on Christmas Day. And then they, they end the season against the Chargers in San Diego. And that's not going to be a cakewalk. But, you know, you got to sit back and say the Chiefs have the advantage in that, in that arena also. So the Chiefs are looking at this like, man, we can end the season 13-3, and and we can get uh, these home playoff games. We can get a first-round bye, get all of our guys rested up, and and then have a home game and in Arrowhead. I mean, it's, look, it's sitting pretty for them. Now the uh, the other team we got to be talking about that we haven't talked about is in the NFC North, and uh, it looks like Matt Stafford has become like the John Elway for comebacks or the Brett Favre for comebacks. These Lions are just starting to pick up some some pace on it, but they got to win and the Packers have to lose. Uh, they or they got a tie and Green Bay loss and Minnesota loss. So their fate really relies within their own division what the other clubs end up losing for them to even consider clinching a division title. And that's a long time for this franchise for to you to say, you know, Detroit Lions division champs. It's been a while. It has been a while. But I'm going to tell you right now, they have the toughest road coming down for the rest of the season not out of any of the NFL teams. They next week, I mean, this week coming up, they have the Giants on Sunday. Then they have the Cowboys in Dallas. And, and as a matter of fact, they have to go on the road against the Giants also. And then they end the season against the Packers, who are two games behind. So they can't afford to lose any kind of ground whatsoever. The Packers right now, they're getting red hot. Aaron Rodgers, is, he's, he's clicking. The defensive starters are starting to come back, and these guys are turning over the ball. They, they beat up the, a, a, a kind of undermanned Seahawks team. This past week, but they beat them soundly in Green Bay. You got the Packers that nipper right on their heels, and, and so, and then you also have to remember uh, uh, Matthew Stafford has that injured hand, so he's going to be playing with a glove for the rest of the season. Um, we'll see how that affects him. Uh, it didn't look like it affected him too much, but again, this, but then again, they were playing against the Bears, so you know, is that going to be any kind of indication? They're not playing the Bears this week; they're playing the South Giants team. So. They have their work cut out for them. So I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to see how all of this stuff pans out and who's going to end up winning that uh, that NFC North division. It's going to be exciting this week, this weekend, because that's going to kind of like put together exactly what the brackets are going to be, who's in the wild card and who's in the hunt that's going to make some headway this, this coming week in terms of, you know, dropping off or knocking off somebody else. So very interesting weekend, just like in college with, the Bulls, the NFL Week 15 is going to be very crucial to kind of watch and see, uh, unless you're a Browns or Ram fan, pretty much, you know, just different. <laughs> but for everybody else, it's still pretty exciting. <laughs> oh, dang it, man, dang it. But uh, it's the way it goes, I guess. You have to just eat your crow, I guess. Um, let's go to the women's recap, Troy. Uh, exciting times in Mexico. Of all places, three the three divisions in Mexico had their championship finals this past weekend, and the Vikingas, Vikingas win their third championship, uh, 2015 fall 2015. They won the division two championship in the spring of 2015. They won the division one championship, and now in the fall autumn uh, season they win their championship. So back to back champions in division one. The cream of the crop 
Andy Romero, Vasquez, the running back there uh, with the Vikingas. They take care of the Titanus uh, uh, 25-14. Uh, you can get all the info on our Facebook page at Gridiron Beauties. Uh, you can check out the videos there, plus the uh, pictures that was taken of the event, as well as the other two division winners in Division Two and in Division Three. So congratulations to the FXX Mexico uh, for their uh, 2016 autumn campaign. Very exciting. So Troy, three-peat. They are the cream of the crop. They are the best of the best. And uh, their coach has just been given uh, the assignment to lead the first national team that will compete at the IFAB World Championships against Team USA, Team Canada, and every other European squad that's going to be in the tournament. They are very prideful. Uh, a lot of their players, just like in the United States, it's the WFA or the IWFL that most of the players are coming from. Right here in Mexico, FXX Mexico, most majority of the players will come from the clubs in this league. So it's it's got to be an exciting time for them. They're, they're, the next level is to represent their country. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, if you got it going like that, I mean, obviously you should be the one that's representing. Um, you know, your country when it comes down to it because you want to bring out your best, the best of your best. So they are proven to be them to be exactly that. So three divisions. Uh, you can go to our Facebook page, get the breakdown there, as well as the uh, story on uh, Jeff Fisher getting canned and made myself very happy. Um, so there's a story there as well. And you also get the links to our podcast there. You can listen to Troy anytime if at night, uh, anywhere, anytime, you can listen to them, get insights on the college bowl game. If you forget, you can always do the replay as well. Congratulations again to uh, Dan Michelle and uh, Andy Romero Vasquez for their awesome pick that we shared on Instagram. These girls are back-to-back champions in Division One, and they're Division Two champs prior to that. So three-peat for the Vikingas of FXX Mexico. Uh, Lexfa will get the updates on Twitter as well as on Facebook coming up this week. The, the Division One, it was supposed to be the finals. Um, using Vaqueros taking on the Jets, uh, so we'll get the results as soon as they post that up. The other big story happened in Spain: Copa de España, number seven, and the Barbera rookies took care of business. This is the the launch uh, tournament, Troy. It's kind of like your jamboree in a sense. Uh, Copa de España is the launch for the uh, the Federación Española de American Football, and so this start, this starts their season as we go into uh, February and March. Their season will kick off. The regular season kicks off, and the Barbera rookies uh, have owned this tournament since its existence. In seven years, they are the they have been seven-time champions uh, since the tournament, and the Buffaloes of Barcelona have been the uh, recipients of two losses in the cup. So um, you know that going into the regular season, Barcelona's going to want to kind of like up their game and not give the regular season title to uh, Barbera once again. So uh, very exciting time in Spain. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you have dominance like that, I mean, somebody's got to – somebody can't wait to knock them off. So, I mean, they're, it's what you say they're, they're primed for it right now. So the Copa España, uh, Ana Fernandez was the MVP um, that was given uh, the, you know, the MVP for that. Uh, Roberto Torresillas, the coach there, he's obviously won seven of these uh, cup titles. Uh, there was Fernandez with three touchdowns. 
It was 48-0, to zero, Troy. Not even a competition. Three touchdowns by Fernandez. Two, uh, two touchdowns by Alba Esquerda. Uh, another two TDs by Sabrina Marquez. Uh, plus a final with Vic, uh, Vito Rodriguez as well. So uh, it was 20-0 to zero at the half. And so uh, behind Monica Rafikas, uh, the quarterback there, and uh, Natalia Roca, uh, the um, Barbera rookies end up winning 48-0. to zero. And so they look forward to the um, champ, uh, regular season that's going to come up in a couple months here uh, into F- uh, FIFA Spain. So we'll cover that as well. And you can get the information on there. Thanks to uh, NFLHispano.com for the um, recap, game recap as well. And you can follow at NFLHispano on Twitter, or you can go to NFLHispano on Facebook. So uh, that's pretty much it, Troy. Uh, a lot of the women's game, you know, the seasons are going to kick off. WFA's off seasons right now. LFL, and that's the other thing that we're going to uh, talk about right now. The LFL comes up with the 2016 list. Um, and that's uh, usually a culmination of who's the best players and who's, uh, you know, the top two players. And so we got, we got to shout out to Stevie Snore, top three running backs of 2016. She was rated number one. Do you agree? Um, I would have gone either Thomas or Christelle Harris, but you know she is my favorite. You know the ball is my favorite, man. So, you know, I got to give a shout out to the ball now. Um, she was also top three two way player of 2016 based on uh, the LFL. So, uh, and, and obviously she is a two way player. I mean, she's uh, rushing and receiving. She's been able to do that. Defensively, she had 14 tackles and one forced fumble along the way as well. Um, this, is, this is a pretty tough league, as we talked about, because, because it's dual play. So, uh, a lot of the times, you know, um, their accolades are on one side of the ball or the other, but uh, she's been able to do both. Yeah, I mean, she, that 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 part is definitely true. Yeah, but, you know, again, man, watching her run the ball, man, she she got me excited, man. As a matter of fact, watching her play, that was my first, watching my first LFL game. And I just remember the announcer saying that she was 120 pounds. I was like, yeah, nah, that's not, <laughs> she's not 120 pounds, no way. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, she was a beast, man. So, you know, I, she off the break, she had me already being Mr. Fanboy over here. So I definitely love the ball, man. So the top three tight ends uh, on the list for the LFL were Jade Randall, which was the MVP. Randall uh, basically uh, recorded 18 receptions for 263 yards and nine touchdowns in five games. So uh, Randall is an insane talent on the field, and we saw that, Troy, and you – you, when you were when you were recapping the games, you said this is this is a talented uh, individual and an athlete. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not surprised at that at all, man. I mean, she's got a, a, an extremely wide catch radius, and so watching her do that, man, I mean, she's definitely an impressive athlete. Now the other person was Sherry Agawa, and uh, she's obviously stacked and very talented. And I'm talking about you know stature and everything. Three receptions for 44 yards and one touchdown, but uh, a big part of the running game for the Temptation. Uh, unfortunately, their season falls short, but uh, they, a big part of the Temptation uh, offensive arsenal. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you get another you know player out there that, that just you know a lot of the people look at the stats 
but you know their impact is is it goes beyond just the numbers. Christelle Harris was ranked number two of the top three running backs of the LFL 2016, uh, given the injury at the beginning. But you called it. They were just holding her back and for the right time. And um, big difference for them to take the Legends Cup. Which is why, you know, I probably would have ranked her just ahead of, uh, of uh, Stevie Schnorr um, because of what she did in the postseason. Now, you know, obviously she was limited during the the regular season, but just watching how she ran the ball in postseason, she just ran like somebody possessed. And, you know, she she was the closer. She closed out a lot of those games for them. Yeah, and your favorite girl in in Chicago, A.J. Johnson being rated the number one top three receiver uh, was A.J. Johnson. So basically clutch player. Did an amazing job at Legends Cup as well to help the Bliss close it out against the Mist. So uh, AJ Johnson. Yeah, she was a cold beast, man. So you know that whole team right there, man. They just they had it going. They had it going. They they definitely you know opened up a lot of eyes, man. I initially thought it would have been Seattle, but it, they, you know I'm a little bit biased because that was the first team I saw, and they were they executed you know uh, lights out every time you you, you know you watched them. But, you know, you got to take your hat off to, to Chicago for pulling everything out. I mean, they just had it going by the end of the year. And I think Chris Del Harris was the was the one that put them over the top. Yeah, you got Ziegler. Atlanta, a big disappointment. Once again, uh, the Bliss has their number. But their, their big star, obviously, is uh, Lauren Ziegler, number two ranked out of the top three in the LFL in 2016, followed by Bryn Renda of the Seattle Miss. So, uh, Ziegler... Very talented, very talented. Unfortunately, not able to get the hardware. And the top quarterback, before we get out of here, it is Jacinda Barkley, the Aussie of the Bliss. Uh, Despite uh, early jitters in her first game against Seattle, Barkley took the LFL uh, U.S. by storm with her dynamic performances, as well as capping out uh, 18 touchdowns and only four interceptions, uh, setting a 766 passing yards in six games during 2016. She also rushed for 138 yards and six touchdowns. Very impressive. Yeah, I mean, she she came in and just kind of just took, took took over that whole huddle. And, you know, she you can tell she had that leadership skills and, and she was an athlete. She made the plays when she had to early in the season and then the, you can watch her get more confidence as the season went on, especially after beating Atlanta uh, twice the way that they did. I mean, you got to say your confidence is sky high. You say you win games like that, and your quarterback is saying to themselves, "Listen, we can't lose." And you know, you can see that confidence, and not only in her, but also in that that entire team, but definitely with her, especially this being her first year. I think the most impressive uh, uh, person here would be the top three, which would be Michelle Angel. I really was impressed with her. Twelve touchdowns with only two ints over 480 yards passing. She also rushed for two scores. She led Dallas towards the end. A big disappointment for Dallas to end the season the way they did. But overall, you know, with, between her and Randall uh, and the Bullock, the Bullock uh, brothers really showed uh, that they can coach. And so Dallas probably going to be a big contender in 2017. Yeah, um, they'll contend more if they decide to get Thomas the ball. So, I mean, I think that's where they kind of – 
And I'm not sure why. Maybe she was dinged up, and maybe they just didn't want to run her in the ground. But you got to give your your horse. You got to give her a rock. You got to give the beast the, the beast the ball. All right. So we'll go over the defensive players of 2016 from the list next week. We'll dive into those players as well, and Troy will have his insights on that. But overall, it's a great show today. We had uh, Christina Carrillo from the return of the San Diego Surge, uh, top three college football uh, games to watch for. So if you missed them, replay, and Troy will tell you what those are, as well as week uh, 15 in the NFL with a lot of playoff implications as well. And so uh, recaps, uh, the women's scene is going to be pretty much light at this point, off-season news as we get into uh, March when Gridiron Victoria kicks off in play, as well as some of the European leagues as well. So we'll be following them. Follow us on Twitter at Gridiron Beauty. I want to say thank you to Greg Mitchell for supporting us at uh, ultimatesportstalk.com. Unfortunately, they are no longer going to be in existence. They're going into a revamped state. So we're no, our podcast will no longer be on ultimatesportstalk.com, but we will soon be on iTunes, and so that's a great sign. So, um, Troy, thank you again for being here today for the Absent and Kishi Free. We will see you here next week on the Great Aaron Blitz right here on Block Talk Radio, and don't forget to replay us once again every Tuesday. Have a great night, everybody. See you, guys.